Listener Production. Just like that craving for a saucy sausage roll after last night to get the new day rolling. What was I thinking? It's Matt and Alex all day breakfast. You cracking one, Matt? Well, it is National Beer Day, Alex Dyson, so I don't see any reason why not. That's right. We've done enough episodes now that National Beer Day and World Health Day, which coincide always on the same day, the 7th of April, um, gets us to be celebrated multiple times. And so if you are doing your part for World Beer Day or World Health Day, uh, many happy returns. My suggestion, walk to the pub. Do your bit. Hey, um, we've got a very big show for you. Brisbane Olympics coming up. I'm going to tell you briefly about one of my favourite <laughs> videos that I've seen popping up online. Uh, I've also got a mind-blowing <laughs> fact for you, so that's very exciting. And Alex Dyson, you've seen some uh, interworldly news. That's right, Matt. My gaze extends beyond our own solar system today as uh, we... Don't take advice from one of the world's smartest men. We'll tell you a bit more about it in a moment. It is Matt Dalek's All Day Breakfast. Hope you're doing well. This is just the start. Everyone ready? Let's get this show on the road. Let's go. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Matt and Alex, All Day Breakfast. Alex Dyson, my second ever show at the Sydney Comedy Festival back in 2012 was called The Voyager Record. Oh, it was because my opening song for a uh, for my very first show, being Black and Chicken and Shit, was a Mozart track from a <laughs> your song. pre-show music was Mozart. I know, right? That does not fit with me really well for shows of yours that I've been to. It was the Magic Flute, right? Uh, Queen of the Night aria, and and it's this bit where this singer goes, oh. oh, oh, oh it's really high. Anyways, like I'm not even going to bother doing it. Uh, I don't do any justice of it. Now, the thing that intrigues me about this... But I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, so well, in order for me to understand this story, I need you to demonstrate what this singer does. <sighs> okay, I can't hit it. It goes really high. Really, really high. Way higher than that. Yep. Uh, 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 uh. Anyways, it squeaks, it gets squeaky Okay, that high (laughs) The reason why this is interesting is because they put that song on the Voyager record And if you don't know what the Voyager record is Basically, it's a package that they sent out into deep space Okay, they put it on a rocket and they shot it out And I find it hilarious they put a record out in space So that aliens, if they ever find it, can play it um, and I find that funny because if I found a record right now, I wouldn't be able to play it. No. VHS, <laughs> DVD, like it. <laughs> I doubt the aliens have still have – got to go find the right cord, power cord in the cupboard. You don't go going through that. Absolute nightmare. Um, as well as that, the uh, Arecibo message was transmitted in 1974 um, into space in binary code, ones and zeros, so that – you know, potentially a civilization with intelligence similar to humans could decode the message, form a visual graphic, which consisted of a stick figure of a human and representations of our solar system DNA and the uh, Arecibo telescope. But um, they've just updated it again, Matt. Oh, new message. A new version. It's like a, it's like bloody Spider-Man. This thing keeps getting rebooted again and again <laughs> with the same characters well, and info. Imagine the aliens. They're like, oh, I got this message. And then, you know, they open it and then it's bloody oh, updating. <laughs> you know, 
downloading updates. You got to wait four bloody hours. <laughs> Like when you haven't played your Xbox for a few weeks. Yeah. Jesus. Well, they've just done it. The beacon in the galaxy message to improve on the Arecibo transmission. Um, and it contains more information about basic mathematics and science that the Arecibo message did. It is hoped that these concepts will be universally understood by life forms of at least a similar intelligence. Now, the issue is, oh. Matt. It's all well and good to send out some Mozart and some binary code into space. Mm-hmm. If you're sending this to the kind of person you want to come to your party. <laughs> because famed physicist Stephen Hawking, may he uh -oh. rest in peace, throughout his life, put out warnings about contacting aliens. He's expressed concern multiple times about humans calling out to the vast men in space. He supported efforts of listening for aliens, but warned actively against reaching out ourselves, using humanity's own behaviour as a sign. Aliens won't necessarily be friendly. He said they could be vastly more powerful than us and may not see us as any more valuable than we see bacteria, which wow. is... That's, that's a burn. That is a sick burn. It's a bit terrifying. We are nothing more than alien bacteria. You know, I, I really wonder whether scientists consulted... I mean, it's all well and good to talk about Stephen Hawking on this matter, but they probably should have talked about the real champion of this situation, and that is um, Corey Worthington. <laughs> Okay, ask Corey whether you just want any old aliens turning up to your party. <laughs> well, Corey probably thought it was pretty sick. It's just the local constabulary. Uh, we're not quite as excited of 3,000 people coming to the house party of the century. Well, that's it. I'd probably get a message from aliens and I'd read it and I'm like, I will get back to them later today. Completely forget about it. And then have to send them, a send them a message in a few light years going, hey, so sorry for the delayed response. It's just been It's crazy. just been hectic. It's, it's, it's been just so been so hectic. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, to all the aliens out there that do listen to uh, Matt and Alex all day breakfast, I mean, we, we, yeah, we should be on the Voyager record, yeah. you know, but podcast, us. Yeah, this is what real humans talk about, isn't it? <laughs> Apparently they have something called Feces Free Fridays. <laughs> oh, anyways. Let's bring back Adam and Will. <laughs> I don't know what to think of that. Bro, I absolutely cannot get enough of this clip that I saw on Instagram. Mm -hmm. I first saw it on this Instagram account called Sniff Advisor, which is like <laughs> some party uh, gram account. Right. Right. As it makes uh, memes about partying and yeah. raving and stuff. Yeah, right. yeah exactly. Right. <laughs> anyway. Uh, God. <laughs> anyway, the I mean, clip I've is seen, from I've seen a few like TikToks about the, the signs that people are having, like holding up at like Rainbow Serpent and stuff like that. And God, <laughs> so these people. So, so I'll, I'll, here, I'll play you a little bit of it now, right? What about the Prince of Brizzy? If you live on the north side, bro, you're a gangster. <laughs> This is the Prince of Brizzy! Anyway, so I don't know who that guy is. It's originally from some account called Bread Gang TV. I don't really know what they do. Anyway, Bread Gang, they interview trashed people. Yeah, okay, yeah. Say so things look. they regret. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know anything about I'm just telling you where I've like where it was all connected to and how I got to it. But I've watched this that clip about 
20 times. I laughed so much. Anyway, for some reason, watching a really munted dude talk about being the Prince of Rizzy made me proud of my hometown. Like, I don't even understand why that happened. But it made me realise that, you know, the world is watching, okay, because... That clip has been seen literally around the world yeah. and people are sort of, you know, the caption on Sniff Advisor was, I think we've found the loosest city in really? the world. The and loosest. this person's here going, I'm the Prince of Brizzy, you know, right? <laughs> so I was like, well, the world is going to be watching in the lead up mm. to 2032. So we better be putting our best foot forward. Well, you're right. The Brisbane Olympics, I mean, a mere 32 years after Australia hosted the Olympics last time. And there's a lot more than... How many is that? Eight countries since we've been there. We're going to be hosting another Olympic Games. And what do you reckon, Matt? Because they're on the hunt for a mascot. You reckon the Prince of Brizzy could be um, <laughs> could be alongside, was it Sid, Millie and Ollie for Sydney 2000? Tell you what, there's already a bit of a debate happening about it because uh, people have put some certain things forward, okay? So Cameron Costello, who is a person who sits on the Queensland Tourism Industry Council uh, and the state's Koala Advisory Council, uh, believed that the koala, okay, should be the clear front runner, right? It's recently listed as endangered. He feels like the Olympics can bring it to attention, okay? But Queensland Tourism Minister Sterling Hinchcliffe has suggested the ibis. Wow. Is ibis, uh, uh, sorry, what's the plural of ibis, ibises? Ibi. Ibi. <laughs> I don't know if it is. I'm pretty sure it's just ibises. Um, are I buy uh, native to Australia and, and not not found elsewhere? I think of Egypt when I think of the ibis. Yeah, they're, they're on a few hieroglyphics, aren't they? The hotel brand is is French, right? Interesting. Um, ibis derives from the Latin and ancient Greek word for this group of birds. So, right, so there's different kinds, but I, I guess in Australia, it's the only place where they are affectionately known as the bin chicken, due to their uh, <laughs> propensity for uh, getting into the wheelies um, and having a peck around with the long beaks while it's looking a little bit crusty. Yeah, just grabbing that final bit of tomato from the last bite of the burger. And so um, I could, what do you reckon, Brisbane 2032? When you think of Brisbane, do you think Ibis though, Matt? I mean, it's it's, it's an Australian thing, you know. It's an Australian mm. animal. I feel like it's synonymous with the, with Australian parklands all over. Um and actually, I was talking recently about it. I mean, you know, they used to be in the muck in the swamps. Mm. It's our fault that we mm. we turned all those into low-rise apartments, you know. <laughs> That's right. So Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk said highly unlikely, absolutely. I mean, she didn't say no chance, but she said highly unlikely that it's going to be the uh, 2032. But she said, let's let the public decide. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Would you vote? Yeah, I'd vote on this. But Australians will just try for the worst one. Like that's, that's <laughs> yeah. it's what we do. Australians love sabotaging ourselves in front of everyone, don't we? Yeah, like it's we, just we, whatever the worst, most embarrassing option is, <laughs> that is what we will choose. Um, we we found it, even though we're trying to do, oh, but the governments, they never play along. They If they say it, they never follow through. Like the Melbourne stations for the new city loop or whatever, were coming out. It's like, oh, name the stations. People put in very funny suggestions, ones that would be great. They end up going with the place in which the station is. <laughs> boring. <laughs> Absolutely boring. Town hall station. Well, I mean, I'd like to see if it's a public, you know, vote, if we get to sort of 
put our ballots in at the real election that's going to be coming up, uh, as in what is the mascot of the 2032. I want to see a couple of, you know, other contenders on the list. Have you got any ideas about who you could, who you'd like to see on the list as well? Well, I think we should give the Olympic Organising Committee a few ideas. If they're not going to go with the Ibis, I reckon Matt and Alex have got them covered. Well, first up, aggro, Alex Dyson. I mean, aggro is, nothing is more Queenslander than aggro. Yep, that's true. Um, <laughs> what would he do at the opening ceremony? <laughs> Probably be a little shithead. I, mean, I don't know, isn't that what Agro's thing does? Pretty much. Uh, what about this? I think, I mean, the, there's already a Queensland mascot there. It's only fair the whole work gets to see the cane toad, a great Australian yes. story where we thought that we knew better on the environment, came in to eat the cane beetle, didn't even eat them, went and ruined the environment. Queenslanders for generations now have lived in harmony with the cane toad. And so um, maybe that should represent Brizzy. Oh, mate, every flag bearer should have to lick it. <laughs> um, what about, okay, what about Mungo the Muddy Snake? Just to represent the weaving brown snake of the Brisbane River? Or what about, what about, what about, what about this one? What about this one? Beryl the Bong. <laughs> It's very Brisbane, isn't it? Beryl the Bong. Beryl the Brizzy Bong. Like <laughs> the Brizzy Bong. Um, you can still use the words faster, stronger, higher. Mm. What about just Bob Catter? Like, it's like, here is someone whose Queenslanders have chosen to represent them for decades now. Why don't we have him on the uh, Olympic flag? Oh, my God. Could you imagine? Could you imagine at the opening ceremony? By the time he finished his speech, there'd be a closing ceremony. Yeah, he'd say, Australia is currently coming fourth on the medal tally, but I ain't spending any time on it because every two months (laughs) a Queenslander's ripped apart by Crocodile. (laughs) What about about Faid the Faded Curtain? Right, this is symbolic of Queensland's refusal to adapt to daylight savings, see? So, you know, we're, we're trying to go out there with ideas. It's not just... You know, boring animals. I think that'd be perfect. It brings a sheds a good light uh, and a powerful light on the uh, Australian unique story. Pun intended. Exactly. We'll pass those on to the proper authorities. But yeah, can't wait to see what they eventually go with, Matt. I hope it's something that truly represents the Queensland spirit. If it's not Ranger Stacey, then I'm not here. Matt and Alex, all day breakfast. Well, Alex Dyson, it's time for another Mind Blown. That's right. We like to inform you of some of the world's biggest facts every week, and it works sometimes. Occasionally, it's a mild groan, but uh, Matt O'Kine, you've got a pretty good strike rate overall. I reckon you're batting on maybe a, a Michael Bevan level. Got some Alyssa Healy numbers going for me. Well, well, I don't think we're that high yet. Ah, fair enough. Um, Well, Alex Dyson, I introduced you to uh, a uh, a good friend of mine on Twitter, Mr. Dr. Eric Fiegel-Ding, recently. (laughs) Dr. Ding (laughs) is not a friend of yours, Matt. (laughs) 
He doesn't know who I am, but I tell you what, I feel like I am besties with Dr. Ding, epidemiologist and health economist. I tell you what, if you ever want to feel scared about COVID, you just check out Dr. Ding's tweets. It's I've looked at it. It's just like everyone. It's like new variant of concern. We got to be really scared about this one. It's like <laughs> you're like no, literally, holy mother of God is like one of his biggest tweets. Mass infection spillover, chaos at Heathrow Airport. Oh. He's like another spike in London. This is out of control. Anyone with a brain knows this mass infection, letting it rip approach is just lunacy and irresponsible. Anyway, so that was his latest tweet to Boris Johnson. <laughs> um, look, I'm not saying I disagree with him. I don't know enough about it. He obviously does. He's just someone I like following. Dr. Eric Ding, if you want to follow him on Instagram. Anyway, this amazing fact comes from him. Okay, here we go. Dr. Ting says, in an alternate universe... I could have co-founded and led Gwyneth Paltrow's boutique health company for rich folks. But instead I grew a conscience and now I'm just your average epidemiologist and neighborly nutritionist, right? So the next tweet, he says, the above is... Is this a a comment on like multi-universe theory or what? Someone tweeted about in an alternate universe, Sarah Palin could be in her second term of presidency. Right. After two terms of McCain's vice presidency. And then he Dr. said, yeah, Ding's well, in a, like in an alternate use universe, I could run goop. I could have been running Gwyneth Paltrow's company. But then he, underneath he says, but by the way, the above is true. This is not an April Fool's joke. The premise was actually quite hilarious back in 2009 when Gwyneth's team approached me. They invited me to her apartment in Greenwich Village, New York. I also got a tour of her $10,000 a month private gym club with spring-mounted floors. Her apartment building is completely unnumbered and unlabeled. You would never know a wealthy celeb is living there. She had a gigantic white furry rug from some poor animal and an awkward chair swing. I got her rugs first, stuck on my shoe, my only souvenir from the strange encounter. (laughs) So he went to a job interview at Gwyneth's <laughs> Goop Lab. Yeah, basically just as they were getting started, probably needing some, you know, a nutritionist, a health economist to yep. help her out. But they obviously point out, and he kept bringing this up, so the gym belonged to Tracy Anderson, which uh, Gwyneth Paltrow was a partner of at the time. They don't advertise gym membership, but on the tour I was told a VIP membership is $10,000 a month. Don't For ask me who gym? pays that. Yes, that's the fact. Gwyneth Paltrow has a gym that is $10,000 a month for exclusive VIP membership. What, what, what? what do you get for that? I don't know. That's what I'm wondering. What? In what world could they possibly give you $10,000 a month's worth of what, anything? they give you like helium weights or something? <laughs> just like, oh, these are really easy. I don't I like it. Is it just plastic surgery? <laughs> is it a clinic? Like, is that is that what it is? You know, you pay $10,000 a month and you walk out looking amazing and you didn't have to do anything because that is the only way I would spend $10,000. Like, what? I mean, really good water? No, what is cheap as? It would have to be you employ really expensive personal private trainers who will be there absolutely whenever you want. They'd literally need to sit on call so that when you spontaneously (laughs) decide to come in, you don't have to book with them. They're not fitting in other clients. It's like I am there and this is happening. There would have to be never a wait for a machine. Like you would just... You would... Imagine if you want to bench press, someone is building you a new one right there. (laughs) 
I, I reckon I reckon it's the sort of place where if you just say somebody spot me, someone will spot you. Like <laughs> so, someone will like parachute into the room and just be there for you. Mind blown. Blown away. God, all right. Well, the fact that there's a $10,000 a month gym, that is mind blowing. But we love your mind blowns as well. Please record yourself giving us your favourite recent fact uh, and send them through to matt.and.alex. Uh, this week's mind-blowing fact comes from Sam. The UK national anthem, God Save the Queen, is sung to the tune of a song that was written to celebrate King Louis XIV from France surviving a really dangerous surgery on an anal fistula. <laughs> what? I can't say that I saw where that was going. <laughs> God save our gracious creed. <laughs> da, da, no, it's, da, it's da, God da. save our anal. <laughs> God give me anal cream for my <laughs> sphincter screen. It bleeds. God <laughs> save my ring. God save my ring. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's it. Mind blown. Moving no, no, on. Moving <laughs> on. I smell toast. Thank you very much for listening to another Matt and Alex All Day Breakfast. We hope you and all the bin chickens around Australia are having a good one. Uh, you know, we do get behind you for your fight for the 2032 mascot. Campaign. That's it. If you've got any suggestions for us, we're happy for All Day Breakfast to start an official campaign. If we choose the right candidate, we're happy to get it out there. I reckon Matt O'Kine, Brizzy's favourite son. I'll do it. I will get the rings tattooed on my neck and cover my body in every Brisbane postcode. <laughs> uh, I will absolutely do it. Well, you reckon Big Ard Olympic Flame at the top of Mount Kutha? I reckon... Um, Violent Soho should be playing as well. They should just turn the amps up and let Covered in Chrome just <laughs> tear the stadium down. Oh, I tell you what, when that silver medal comes out for the first time and it's all covered in Chrome, <laughs> the first riff starts and the Violent Soho boys get out and rip <laughs> the world a new one. No, look, it will be good fun times. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today and we'll catch you another big episode tomorrow. Bye-bye. That's it. The all-day breakfast kitchen is closed. Got a story we need to hear? All the links are at mattandalex.com.au. Listener.